This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Chris Sinzak. And Aaron Camaro. When you need to know what's going on in the world around you, are you going to turn to CNN? No. Are you going to go to Fox News? Heck no, you're not going to go to any of those places. You've come to the right place to get your news. You've come to the Decibel Geek Podcast. I am one of your co-anchors, Aaron Camaro, and joining me, as always, bringing you the news this week right along with me, my good friend, Chris Sinzak. What's going on, brother? I thought I was the sports guy. (laughs) Well, I wanted to do weather, but, you know. Here's how I do weather. You got a window, open it. But you want to find out about the latest, greatest happenings in rock and roll? Well, this is it. This is what we do every once in a while. It's new noise. We like to take a look back at history, you know, and do do all that stuff. But every once in a while, we got to get current. We got to get caught back up to what's going on because we get left behind sometimes. But today, we're all going to get caught up on the world of rock and roll together. But of course, before we get to all that, we got to take care of our business. And our business, we're all about it. It's reviews and recommendations. We like to get them from Apple Podcasts. We like to get them from Podchaser. We like the recommendations on Facebook. And holy moly, we've got two. Yep. I can't believe it, but I like it. First one's an Apple Podcast review. It's entitled, Where Have You Been? It's five stars, just the way we like it. And it goes like this. Found you guys now. And I am actually glad because I have some great episodes to get caught up on. Absolutely one of the best music podcasts I have come across. Looking forward to binge on some great insight on music that I grew up with, too. Thanks, guys, for some great work. That's awesome. Apple Podcast Review, five stars. That's the way it's done. That's from NNJRC51 in the U.S. of A. Right here in the U.S. of A. Rocking in the U.S.A. with an Apple Podcast review. We love it. And, and, yeah, there's more than one, believe it or not. We got some pink stars, too. That means it's a Podchaser review. One, two, three, four, five of them. And it comes from Ben. It goes like this. If you love classic hard rock and metal from the good old days, give these guys a listen. The two hosts, Chris and Aaron, have a great chemistry, and their guests are always fun and informative. I love the KISS episodes, and also the shows where they cover obscure hard rock and metal bands from the 80s and 90s. Camaro's Cutout Bin episodes are fun to find out about these lesser-known yet hidden gems. I first discovered the show by listening to the now-defunct Rock and Metal Combat podcast, and after a few listens... I was hooked. If you love intelligent music talk combined with amazing guests who worked with bands like Kiss, Alice Cooper, and Alice in Chains, just to name a few, give these guys a chance. Also, one more note. The Albums Unleashed episodes are amazing. 
If you want more info on albums like Dada by Alice Cooper, this podcast is a must. Wow. 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 That's an awesome review. What a review on Podchaser. Thank you, Ben. So cool. Man, I love that. I've got to correct you on one part because he he what you thought was a um, punctuation error, uh-huh. I think I think is a, something that we have to address. <laughs> he says the two hosts, Christ and Aaron, have a great chemistry. I knew you were going to do this, Chris. Calm down. I know Jesus Christ, and you, my friend, as awesome as you are, are no Jesus Christ. Well, I know that, and and I I don't I like high praise unintended but that's a little too high yeah I'm, I, I'm just a humble podcast or it means that aaron's been doing a podcast on the side with the messiah and i've been kicked <laughs> welcome to the rock and salvation podcast i'm your host aaron camaro joining me as always my real best friend jesus christ yeah theological geek <laughs> <laughs> Jesus wouldn't make me lie to you about having a side podcast. He'd say, be honest with your co-host. Tell him what's really going on. He does build a good hot rod, though. (laughs) All right. Well, we had a lot of fun last week and the week before as we totally tore down and rebuilt the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in our image, in the image of the Decibel Geek podcast. And you know what? I'm damn proud of us. I think we did a fine and excellent job of making the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame exactly what it should be. That was a that was a lot of fun to do, and we had a lot of good feedback from it, and people seemed to enjoy it, and uh, it was definitely an interesting experiment to do. And uh, yeah, our uh, our lists are definitely different than the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, way different. But that's why we are who we are. Yeah, and uh, we appreciate everybody that shared on Facebook and retweeted on Twitter our Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Parts 1 and 2. Those are this week's Geeks of the Week, who are Adam Cox, Pantheon Podcast, Joseph Capone, Mark Alden-Taylor, Freeform Rock Podcast, Kevin Williams, The Bakery Podcast, Aaron Baker, Mike Parnell, Jeffrey Mendenhall, Alessandro, Doug Fox, Vet Halen, Joel Hoffman, Shout It Out Loudcast, Stick Stickman, Marvin Carter, Bill, Bipolar Billy, JJP, Body of the Soul, Bill Elam, Keith Rockford, The Rock and Roll Potato. Eladio, Paul J. Kane, David Cathy, Scott Crouch, and as always, the, the Mooger Booger. Nice. I like that. The Rock and Roll Potato. I don't know what that is, but it sounds cool. Sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Those are our Geeks of the Week. All they did is something awesome. They took last week's episode, and they shared it, and they retweeted it. So when you see... That the Decibel Geek Podcast on Facebook or on Twitter posts this week's episode, then you know that's where you got to share it and retweet it. And if you do it off of either one of them, you're definitely going to be included on this prestigious list right here next week. You will be a Geek of the Week. Now, before we get to the new noise, Chris, man, I got to thank you, brother. You tagged me in a post on the Facebook, speaking of which, and it was like a week ago. And it was from this music store called Spinners, and I'd never heard of it. And what the post was, was that the man who runs it had just gotten in a bunch of rare and awesome rock and metal CDs. And so on Saturday morning, 
I cruised on down there. I was waiting for him. I was there before the store even opened. I was waiting just to go in. And I walked in and I said, word on the street is you've got some rare rock and metal CDs in here. And he said, are you Aaron Camaro? (laughs) (laughs) So I went down to the store in Spring Hill, Tennessee, that you I would have never even known about if you hadn't told me about it. And this place was awesome. I got to meet Matt, who runs the place, and his wife, and she's super cool. They know their rock and roll. They've got all kinds of cool stuff in this story. It's like a rock and roll museum mixed with a music shop. And man, did he have some cool, rare rock CDs. So thank you for turning me on to that story. You want to know what I got that day? Yeah, let's hear it. I picked up the Shotgun Messiah I Want More EP, which I've been looking for forever. He sold me a copy of Odin's Fight for Your Life CD, which I've never even seen anywhere else. I got the Baton Rouge album Lights Out on the Playground, which I've been looking for that forever. Check this out. I got EZO's Fire Fire. Wow. Hey, do you ever see EZO CDs at any of the music stores you go to? No. Me neither. But he had it down there at Spinner's. And this one, oh, super cool, dude. We were just talking about this a couple of weeks ago when we did our 87 Hit Parader magazine episode. We were talking about the Metal Method guitar lessons in there. We were talking about Doug Marks. And we were talking about the band Hawk. And I was like, I'd never heard of this before. I had no idea. He had the Hawk CD. (laughs) I bought it. Oh, yeah, I did. And something we didn't realize when we talked about that, Matt Sorum from the Cult and Guns N' Roses plays on this. Oh, really? I had no idea. Travis in that band. Maybe it was Matt Sorum. I guess it was. It's pretty damn cool. I got to say, it's pretty awesome. And if you're in the Nashville, Middle Tennessee area, I highly recommend you go check out Spinners because, man, that store is super cool. Yeah, I've I've gone there once, and I need to go back because I really was impressed with it the first time I went. And um, But, yeah, when I saw that post and I saw, like, all these rare – it was a great picture of all these rare, like, metal CDs. I was like, I have to tag Aaron in this immediately (laughs) because I had a feeling you would be into that. I should have went to the bank before I went down there and asked for a loan. And then bought a trailer to haul all this stuff back that I would have bought. Well, your your wife's happy you didn't do that. Yeah, I'm still married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and otherwise I'd be making room for you in the cou- on the couch here. Right, right. They're like, come on, man, let me stay for a week. I'll burn you a copy of the Hawk CD. You'd have to throw the EZO in for me to let you do that. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Done deal. <laughs> That's awesome though. Yeah, definitely. I want to definitely go back out there again soon. It's a great store. Heck yeah, man! I love stores like that. And then, as a matter of fact, you know, speaking of going to music stores, and we did the uh, Camaros Cutout bin. I guess about a month ago, maybe a little longer. And I had mentioned the CD warehouse, and I stopped back over there, and ran into Tim, who I mentioned on the show, and he was like, "Dude." I listened to the show. You told me about it. It was so awesome. You, I can't believe you guys said such nice things about us, you know? So that, that was really cool too. So, you know, it's like, I feel like in middle Tennessee, when I walk into like a music shop now, it's like the equivalent of Norm walking into cheers. <laughs> Aaron. <laughs> and I like it. <laughs> I like it a lot. <laughs> That's a trip. Heck yeah. yeah. Uh, happy record stores are, are amazing and uh, we should do everything we can to support them. 
Absolutely. If you've got a record store in your town, man, go buy some stuff. Go peruse. See what they got. Let them know what you like. You know, then they know what to look out for. And man, you never. You might find an Easy O CD one day that you don't find them in stores. But I found one thanks to a cool ass music store. So support your local music stores. And actually, since that that kind of falls into something I had on the list of stuff to talk about today, so I'll just dovetail it into that. But um, our friend Julian Gill brought up a good thing. He mentioned the uh, the recent. I don't know if you knew that, but like, well, for vinyl collectors, um, Walmart did this like fifteen dollars sale over the weekend, where every every vinyl album was fifteen dollars compared to what they normally would be. Oh, that's cool. And it's cool. And like the Kiss put out a Love Gun Splatter Edition Splatter Vinyl. And that was fifteen dollars, and and you know of course there's some Kiss fans that go out and buy ten copies of it and everything, but you know he was like, well, you know, and he was just wanting us to discuss like, is this a good thing or is it, is it a good thing to spend a lot of money at a big box retailer rather than at a mom and pop store? But I would say in cases like this where it's a it's a deep discount for just a weekend, I don't see the harm in it, especially if you can only get it at Walmart. Um, right. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to make somebody feel guilty for doing that, but you know. The rest of the year, you sh- I think you should frequent more of the mom and pop shops because you know that's those are the they struggle a lot more than Walmart does to sell stuff. So right. I I don't see anything wrong with it, but but yeah, I think um, over I hardly ever shop at Target or Walmart for vinyl. It, it, it's I always go to JTB or Spinners or Phonolux or Great Escape or any of those or McKay or any of those places. Right, and I see where he's coming from definitely because this really falls into a situation that I went through this last week. Because on release day, I went to Target and I went right straight back. I'm funny. I'm a funny shopper in Target. If you see me in Target, I'm walking straight to the CD section because something came out today. And I go back there and I find myself a copy of the new ACDC. And so I just march straight back through the store across the other side to the checkouts and out the door I go. And two days later, I'm at the cd warehouse and i see the new acdc he's got up on the rack and i'm like damn it you know if i'd have known i would have come here first you know i would have rather have given the small you know cd store my money than target target doesn't need my money they're selling all the things that i'm walking past to get back to the cd section when i could have easily went over there and got it and in in retrospect i would have done that if i had a guess thought it out a little better but i think like the ozzy osbourne thing i did the same thing went to the target because i knew they were going to have it the ace fraley album the origins too that was a target exclusive so i went right there to get it so now it's like if it's a bigger name band i'm going to just go to the target on release day because it's so simple and easy to just run in there grab it and go right back out but if given the choice and I'm going to change my ways on this, which, you know, I, I appreciate Target, you know, and I know you're talking about LPs on this, and I'm talking about CDs, right. which are two different things nowadays, but I appreciate Target being, like, the only ones that are like that type of store that are still putting CDs out on the shelf, you know. For me, that's awesome. For LPs, I guess same thing, different side. If you can't get it at your local mom and pop store, if it's a Target exclusive or a Walmart exclusive, what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, I don't know. I, you know I've, I saw a lot of people kind of bitching back and forth at each other about it. And like, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where you can have both. I mean, it's, you don't, you don't have to totally be beholden to mom and pop. But it's, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't argue that anyone should 
solely buy from big box retailers if you want to fine but although hell it's still better than just downloading the shit for free but that goes back to us you know liking to have the actual product we're we're of our age you know we we grew up in that era we like to actually have it Mom and pop stores aren't always going to have the new CDs. Like you say, McKay's Great Escape. You're not going to buy a new CD there unless it's record store day. Then they got new stuff. But otherwise, it's all used. You know, And there's very few stores left that are going to... For example, the new ACDC album. You know, I don't know how many copies CD Warehouse got, but I know Target's got plenty. You know, I'm not going to yeah. drive all the way to one and be like, oh man, I only ordered three of them and they sold out. Yeah, I I ordered the vinyl. I'm still waiting on it to come in, so I've had to listen to it digitally until I get it. Yeah. Nope. Well, if you want to get right into that then, man, what do you think? Sounds like ACDC. <laughs> There's a I don't know massive hype about this album. Like I, you know, he, some of the staunchest critics I've I've read over the years are giving it, you know, 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10. Um It's really awesome. I got to say, man, like I said, I bought it at it, Target. I walked it out to the car, I put it in the CD player, and just jammed on it all day long. And when it comes to ACDC albums, especially talking like since, I guess maybe since Stiff Upper Lip, even including Stiff Upper Lip, you know, it's 50-50. I mean, you know, you're never going to say, ah, this is too weird. I mean, it's always, like you said, it sounds like ACDC, but this album has got more good songs on it some of those other albums in the last like rocker bust black ice some great songs a lot of filler this album man i don't really hear a whole lot of filler there's not a bad song on here i mean yeah i like i really i'm super impressed super impressed with what they do with this yeah i over it, the, that's the biggest kudos i can give to it is there's less filler than the last two records um there's there's stuff there's still stuff on rock or bust that i think matches up with this um, yeah oh yeah but it, but it it has more more quality songs now that i will say the, the there's two songs that i consider well to me they're filler but somebody else might think they're the best songs on the right which probably will be you <laughs> that's I usually say, the way this works thing aaron loves it uh-huh yeah so um the two songs that i don't really get fired up by one is kick you when you're down. Yeah, it's you know it's not bad. That might be one of the if I oh, was okay. to rank them, that would be down at the bottom side, I guess. And then the other one is uh, No Man's Land. I don't care much for that one. I like that one, but again, if I was gonna the twelve songs on the disc, it would probably be six or below. I would think that wouldn't be yeah. the top half. But I mean, even at that, those songs aren't terrible. <laughs> they're not terrible, but they're they're what I'd call filler, but I mean, all right, but, but forget about that. For me, the high points, the best song to me on this album is through the mist of time. There's something special about that song. Isn't there this song? And like, and like some people are like, well, it's not the same as the bond years. You can't really compare this to the bond years. Cause they no. were, uh-uh. and I know everybody's like ACDC sounds the same all the time. Not really. They were uniquely different with bond than they are with Brian. So, what I would say, you're comparing it from the 80s forward, and I think Through the Mist of Time sounds like something I would have heard, you know, in the mid 80s from them. Yeah. It's got, it's got a certain like kind of bounciness to it, and 
and it's got a, it's actually really good vocal. Brian Johnson's vocals on this record are fucking great. Really like, he, good. He really, he really comes back strong on this. That one, that's the top one. Shot in the Dark, the first single I thought was great too. I still love it. And um, Demon Fire. Is, Demon Fire is uh, pretty good. Witch's Spell is another one I really like. Yeah, I like that one too. Like the when you get through, like other than kick you when you're down, on the middle of the record is probably my favorite part of it. Although I think Rejection's great. That has kind of a musically that has a bit of a Bond type sound to it. Yeah, but, and there's even the last three songs on the album. I think are really. I don't know. I like the whole thing. I really do. There's nothing on here I don't like, and. You say, well, ACDC sounds the same all the time. They do. You know, they, they've got their realm. But within that realm, there's some cool different stuff going on here. Like, uh, I think it was Demon Fire, where it's almost got like, it, it starts out with kind of like a, a ZZ Top kind of vibe to it a little bit. Yeah, yeah it's a it's a great song. And then it's it's just got a lot of attitude to it. I, I love the fact that they put a song out called Money Shot. That's just funny. Yeah. <laughs> And it's a good one too, man. That's that's awesome. You you should expect no less from the mighty ACDC. They're gonna take something like that, and it's gonna be hey, you know, giving the dog a bone. Let me put my love into you. Money shot. Why not? <laughs> I still say let's get it up. Should have been up for a uh, use for a Viagra ad. <laughs> totally. Why it wasn't is beyond me. Why don't we choose who goes into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and why don't we choose the songs for the commercials? It just it's it's wrong. <laughs> There's another episode idea right there. <laughs> <laughs> Come up with, with what would be the soundtrack for certain products. That's a good idea. That would be yeah. fun. We might have to do that. <laughs> but uh, but and I I personally sent a message to Mike Fraser and just said told him that you know just him and brendan o'brien just knocked it out of the park with production it's just it's layered so well like it's if you put headphones on and blast it man it's it's a really fun listen if you drive a camaro with a cd player and you blast it it's also really awesome (laughs) i have really no complaints about it i mean i and the fact that they put it out in such an awful year definitely helped uh cheer everybody up it's been nice to see so much love for acdc this past week yep Best thing since Razor's Edge. I'm going to say it. Yeah, it's that's a fair assessment because, you know, I like all the stuff they put out since Razor's Edge. But, yeah, as far as pound for pound is a consistent, well-produced album with lots of quality songs, I'd say it, it's right up there. Right on. Awesome. I like that. Quality review, two thumbs up, all the stars we can give it. Got to be contender for album of the year. Got to be. Yeah, it's up there. So, uh... Let me ask you this, you know, because, you know, we lost Malcolm and his nephew Stevie Young has stepped in. Have you ever heard Stevie Young's stuff? Because this guy didn't just, you know, show up yesterday. This guy's been rocking for a long time. Have you ever heard of a band called Starfighter? No, I I was wondering if he was in the band Skyhooks, but I don't maybe he wasn't. No, not Skyhooks, but Starfighter. What I've heard is like demo quality. There's some stuff out there on the YouTube. I encourage somebody to look this up. I mean, if you like ACDC, this band is pretty good. You know, I guess they never made it. I think they probably opened for ACDC a few times. I think I read they opened for some other bands, too, back in the day, but never really made nothing happen on their own. But the guitar tones are killer. You know, you know he gets it from the right place. 
And it's cool right. that, you know, even though we lost Malcolm and man, that's still a heartbreaker to me. It's nice to know that, you know, it's still in the family. Stevie Young, between his rhythm guitar and his background vocals on this, you know, I mean, how can anybody ever replace Malcolm? But man, if you're going to have somebody that has to do it, good job to him because he knocked it out of the park with his contributions on this album, too. Yeah. And they, you know, I've watched several interviews with Brian and Angus over the last week and they talked about how this album is basically their tribute to Malcolm. So it's a it's a fitting tribute. And uh, they, they, uh, the 60 minutes Australia was interviewing him and man, Angus got pretty emotional talking about Malcolm. Like said, tell, you know, we're counting about how, how he went downhill at the end and, you know, Angus would come and play guitar for him in the hospital and stuff. It was, that, that was difficult to watch, but yeah. uh, and Brian got pretty emotional too. But on a, a positive note, I f- saw an interesting nugget from an interview Somebody asked Brian Johnson about his thoughts about when Axel replaced him for the tour. And um, and he had nothing but nice things to say. He said, you know, he's like, Axel stepped in yeah. to a very difficult job to sing those songs for two straight hours and just knocked it out of the park and, and just was very complimentary of him. So I was happy to see that. It'd be nice. You know, we even talked about it at that time about how cool it would be to, if there was an Axel DC album. And I think what it really comes down to is we just want to hear Axl Rose singing some kick-ass rock songs again. So why can't Guns N' Roses do that? They've been back together for how long now, and they can't come up with no new music? Come on. What's going on with that? I still think there's there's been some work done in the studio with Guns N' Roses. I just think we haven't heard about it yet. And it's probably going to be one of them things where it'll be another 13 freaking years before it ever comes out and then it'll be so tinkered with and over tinkered with that you know what you thought was going to be a kick-ass rock album will be some crazy chinese democracy crazy bullshit i hope not i hope not too you know that's why i think everybody was excited about the axel dc because it was a chance for axel rose to just play some kick-ass rock and roll and be the good guns and roses singer that we always knew him to be without overthinking it no prog rock. We don't want prog rock Guns N' Roses. We want Appetite for Destruction style. I think he's, you need Izzy Stradlin to pull that off. It would be nice. I would love to see five original members get back together and really try to recapture some of that magic. But, I mean, how can you, I guess? Adler can still play. Adler can still play, but you're never going to be those same five guys in that same spot ever again. But you could try. I mean, look what ACDC did. They went back, went through Malcolm's notebooks, found some really cool stuff, got some really great inspiration, and put out the best album that they've put out in years. Again, you know, they can't go back to being Bon Scott era, and they can't even go back to Back in Black era. But what they can do is try to harness some of that energy because they know the energy they created. If they can harness just a little bit of that and put it back into what they're doing now, they could come up with something just as awesome as this ACDC album. I want it. We can dream. I I want some good Guns N' Roses songs, damn it. It's been way too long. I hear you. What's next in the news? So uh, Wolfgang Van Halen has been uh, pretty public in the last few days. Yeah. Uh, came on and did well. Did a really good interview with Howard Stern. I uh, saw heard he's going on Eddie Trunk tomorrow. And uh, 
but uh, released a, a video and, and song that uh, he had written in tribute to his dad called Distance. Uh, have you watched the video yet? I have. That's something else, man. That, that'll that get you right in the feels, won't it? Yeah, it was uh, – it's very emotional and uh, like, you know, all of us – we're still mourning losing Eddie. That was hard enough, but imagine being his kid. I mean, that's right. a that's a loss on a whole nother level for that guy. And uh, it's a great song, and and uh, they played it on Howard Stern's show, and they also played another song. I think it's called "You're to Blame." And um, you know, it's it's you know, and you know, and he warned people. He's like, "Don't expect it to be Van Halen." You know, it's not going right. to sound like. And you got to you have to have the perspective of when Wolfie grew up. You know, he he the the nineties was that's the era that right. you know, he was discovering bands. Expect so, you know, expect I, way more three doors down than you do Van Halen. Yeah, yeah and our, our friend Pat Francis, who hosts the Rock Solid podcast, was he wanted me to bring this up. He was it, like it's a great point. Yeah, he's like tell people to listen to distance, just the audio and not right. the video, and you'll see that it's just like a Creed song. But I mean that like I said, you got to look at what he grew up on. So, and and you're to blame is is something that sounds like kind of like modern rock. Also, um, regardless, that's what he's into, and that's what it's going to sound like. And more power to him. But the oh, thing yeah. that really shocked me was how good his freaking voice is. Good singer, yeah, really good singer. Yeah, I mean, I was very impressed with his vocals. So, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just happy to see him getting some music out in the world. I'm. Hoping this is a helpful distraction so he can uh, help, you know, mourn through this process. And um, the interview, uh, I listened to the whole interview, and uh, there were some interesting things brought to light in this interview. Yeah, um, for sure. Like the kitchen sink tour that he was trying. I mean, this is something that, you know, people were mad at Wolfie because he took Michael Anthony's spot in Van Halen. But, man, you listen to the, the way he talks about Van Halen and the way he would you know, work his dad up to things and be like, hey, what do you think? What, what would happen if, you know, and and just kind of put stuff out there for him for his dad to think about. And he's talking about, what if you got Dave? What if you got Sammy? Hell, get Gary Sharon. Put together a tour where you got different singers coming out for different eras and you're playing it all. How awesome that would have been. And how cool a Wolfie to be the one to say, you know, you ought to be doing this, dad. Yeah, I think he kind of helped Eddie you know, just kind of lose the ego a little bit on some of this stuff. Cause you know, it, you know, Eddie Van Halen, as genius as he was as a, uh, as a grudge holder, there was probably nobody better. Um, if like, if you were on his shit list, you pretty much stayed there. So, uh, the fact that Wolfie was able to kind of talk him off the ledge about some of these things just tells you how, how good of a bond they had as a father and son. And, and he, yeah. I, I think Wolfie could see that Eddie, he didn't want to see Eddie squander his legacy. And, right. uh, for a lot of years before a different kind of truth came out, everybody's like, "What the fuck is going on with Van Halen?" They just like, "There's nothing going on." If you were uh, if you were angry with uh, Michael Anthony not being part of it, but you need to thank Wolfie for even you know having the band continue because without him involved, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, we would have never got that last stellar album out of him or the tours. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and you know, then Howard brought up the. You know, he's like, you know, uh, Eddie told me in the past that, you know, he's got just vaults filled with with tapes and stuff. And and uh, I guess that's going to be, you know, you're going to be in charge of that now. And uh, what you know, and then Wolfie kind of cut him off. and He goes, yeah, he's like, oh, there's Van Halen fans listening right now, hoping that I'm going to announce something. And Howard's like, well, what's going on with it? And he said, he's like, it's going to take time, but there's a massive amount of tapes to go through and just to see what's there. But, you know, he 
hinted around that there will be stuff coming out from that, but it, it's going to take a lot of time. My name is Aaron Camaro. This is my associate, Chris Sinzak. We're here to apply for the job of Van Halen Music Curators. Let us <laughs> help you go through all this stuff. Wolfie, you're a busy guy. You've got songs to sing. you got things to do. You don't have time to go through all this stuff. Hire myself and my esteemed colleague, Chris Sinzak, we are Van Halen lovers and appreciators. We will go through all of this for you and bring you the best of the best. It's a nice pitch. It's our calling. It was what we were meant to do. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think about it's a dream job. Him. Yeah, I think he's I think it's in good hands with him. And I, I think you'll see stuff come out from it. And, you know, who knows? There's probably stuff on there that's unfinished that Wolfie might be able to kind of complete for him. That'd be awesome, man. I would love to, you know, and that's the thing. When somebody passes away, there's archives, you know, and so you think, man, we're going to get to hear some cool stuff. You know, maybe we'll get to hear some stuff that from back in the in the Dave days, things they worked on that never got released, you know. And a lot of times we hear these weird songs and go, why didn't this make the album? Or how does that song get on the album but not this? Man, I hope there's a lot of that with Van Halen. Wolfie, yeah. you're way younger than us. You need to get on the case. We, we're we're old rockers. We're not going to live forever, but we need to hear these things. I love it. I hope so. And you know what? It's kind of cool, too. You watch Wolfie now, and it's like we're old rock and rollers. He's all our kids now. You know, we've the rock and roll world of old-time guys like us, we've adopted him. He's our kid now. <laughs> Got to support him. Speaking of which, you know, yeah, so. talking about tributes to Eddie Van Halen, we didn't really get a chance to talk about this, but it was out like a week or so ago, the David Lee Roth over the Rainbow Bar and Grill. What did you think of that? I loved it. I loved it. Oh, what did you think it. of it? I loved it, too. It was, um, although it was actually recorded years ago. Really? Um, yeah, it wasn't like recorded for Eddie. It was, but it, it, it's an album that David did with John Five playing. Oh, okay. And, uh, I thought it was something new. And it's been shelved for, well, it, it has been released. And um, they recorded it a few years ago. And, and I think I heard that if you go on David Lee Roth's website, I think you can listen to the whole record. Yeah, yeah. I love the, yeah, the DLR band that John Five did with David Lee Roth back when he was just known as John Lowry, right? Yep. And uh, I think they, they completed a whole record. I mean, it's the Over the Rainbow Bar and Grill thing, it's different for Dave, but I really yeah. enjoyed it. I it's a uh, definitely what's the word for it sentimental but uh yeah, for that's sure. what i liked about it yeah i guess maybe that's why people thought it was a tribute to eddie because of the timing of it and the fact that it is such a sentimental song and it kind of is a callback to their early days together well he i mean when he put it out he he said this is for you ed so he kind of made it into a tribute for him yeah that's cool though I'm glad for that. I'm, you know, and that's you talk about Malcolm Young. You talk about Eddie Van Halen. The outpouring of love has been unbelievable for guys like this. And you know, as sad as it is to lose our rock legends, it's always nice to see that it, the outpouring of love that comes along with it. Yeah, and that's something with the internet age that is helpful when these things happen. Because, like, you know, remember when we grew up, if somebody famous passed, you'd hear about it you know, for a day on the news and then everything kind of moved on. And, you know, it, it, the way it is now, like, you know, you see so many amazing tributes uh, online from famous people and just fans. And, you know, we definitely saw that with Eddie. We saw it earlier this year with Neil Peart when he passed. Yeah. You know, it was 
that's a good byproduct of it is we kind of get out we all get to kind of virtually celebrate all around the world the, yeah. what these people meant to us which is a great thing right because if you think about our real lives a lot of times like in my life there wasn't really a lot of people i could run to and be like man eddie van halen huh but i've got the decibel geek podcast and we got to share it with the entire world which was beautiful Oh, geez, I remember when Eric Carr passed away. You know, that was the same day as Freddie Mercury. Yeah. And and I, maybe, I think maybe two people that I talked to that day acknowledged who Eric Carr even was. Right, you <laughs> like walk that. into the junior high and there's a group of people crying. And you walk up, you think you're a part of them, go, man, Eric Carr. And they go, who? Freddie Mercury died, haven't you heard? Yeah, that was pretty much exactly how it went. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I had my brother. He he mourned with me, but um, but yeah, that was about it. But yeah, it's nowadays it's you know, and you know, God forbid when Paul, Gene, Ace, or Peter pass, it's gonna be it's gonna be on a massive scale. Yeah, big time. Well, let's hope that doesn't happen for a long time. But Paul Stanley, what the fuck is going on over there? Ooh, baby, baby. Oh, the stool station. I mean, soul station. So lame. So lame. Well, I mean, that's what I, he wants to do. I get it. You know, yeah, you do what you want to do, but you don't have to release it. <laughs> you don't have to release. You it. don't have to release <laughs> it. If you want to get together with your keyboard player and your background singers and sing old Motown songs, that's fine. That's a hobby. You don't have to release it for other people to have to hear. It's nobody's forcing it on you. But I'm a Kiss fan, so when I oh. go online, I see these things. <laughs> Of all the times for Twitter and Facebook to not censor things, they let this get through to me. That's I hate it, dude. I really hate it. You know, I'm a Kiss fan. I always love the rock and roll. I get it. He likes it. It's fun for him. But man, how lame! Not cool at all. I don't. I don't know that it's that lame. I mean, I what what exactly is lame about it? Just because it's not hard rock? Well, apparently. The Motown music must be way, way easier to sing than rock music. Well, yeah, because he can sing it in the falsetto range. This is what he, about all he has left. It's just so. Uh, I don't. It's, you don't. I don't like it. I just don't like it. You don't listen to any old Smokey Robinson or Temptations music. I mean, I guess, but that's cool because it's them. <laughs> Now imagine Smokey Robinson coming out with a song like uh, "I Want You." What's what's the Smokey Robinson fans going to think? What, what's all <laughs> this smoking guitar? We don't like this. Yeah, I don't know. It's the, I, I it's the it reverse. I really was bummed out when I saw it. I was like, "Man, Paul, come on! You're supposed to be a member of Kiss. You're supposed to be super cool, but this ain't cool at all." I don't know that it's uncool. It's just not to your liking. It's not to my liking. That's yeah, I'll agree with that. <laughs> and here I I never thought I'd be defending Paul Stanley to Aaron Camaro. That's weird. Yeah, it's too bad. I mean, it'd be nice to uh I mean, can't can't all members of Kiss have the talisman? I mean, at this Don't point, they? it should be required if you're a member or former member of Kiss and you're going to come out with solo music, you have to use Ryan, Jeremy and Phil. You have to. You can't not do it any other way. <laughs> that I'd be cool s- with. All right. Well, I mean, <laughs> for once, I don't want to talk about Kiss. So let's move on. Paul Stanley doesn't either. Yeah, I see why. Have you heard the new 
L.A. guns. Now, I'm not talking about the the one with Tracy Guns and Phil Lewis. I'm talking about the one with Steve Riley and Kelly Nichols. Have you heard the song Renegades? Yeah, I heard it. What do you think of that? It was all right. I, I wasn't blown away by it. I think it's pretty cool. I don't really... I think somebody else posted on our on our Facebook that they I agree with. I kind of have a problem with it because I like it, and I probably shouldn't like it because it seems like a scab band. Yeah, it's, well, it's not even weird for LA Guns at this point. That's just no. Part of the I guess you're right. Yeah, it really shouldn't be weird. It should but be I, accepted. Actually, I should be disappointed that there aren't more versions of LA Guns coming out with new music. Well, we have some free time. Let's start our own. Big announcement. The big news story of the day. We're going to stop doing Decibel Geek because we have to devote more time to our version of L.A. Guns. Yeah. Yeah, pretty weird stuff, though. You know, I don't know that calling it L.A. Guns, I guess it's it's almost like a marketing thing, isn't it? Where it's like, oh, if, yeah. if we call this L.A. Guns, we'll get attention for it because there's another version of L.A. Guns. But it's if you called the, it's this, it's all about marquee name. But if you called this band Renegades and came out with a new album on Golden Robot and said, you know, this is a band featuring Kelly Nichols and Steve Riley, formerly L.A. Guns, along with this guy and that guy, and it's a new album. It kicks ass. It's in the vein of L.A. Guns. If you love L.A. Guns, you'll love this band Renegades. Does the album sell more or less without the name? Oh, less. That's why they're fighting. Do you think so? Absolutely. So you think in 2020, there's somebody that says, I'm really excited about the new L.A. Guns album, not aware that it doesn't contain Tracy or Phil. Oh, sure. And they order that, and they get it, and they go, man, you know, I I don't know. Something's weird about this. And then they open it and look and go, oh, wait a minute. This is, what is this? You think that happens? Well, for for album releases, maybe not so much because anyone that's investing money in an album release today has to have an, an invested interest in the band. Right? Yeah, definitely. But but you tour on the back of these records, so you couldn't very well put out Kelly the Kelly Nichols project and then go tour on it with yeah because it's when you go tour on it and you you want that marquee value, so they go oh. I remember that Ballad of Jane song when right. I was 15. Let's go get drunk and watch them. That's I guess I get that. Going. Maybe it's just been so long since there's been tours, I almost forgot about that aspect of it. Because if it's just the album, it doesn't matter then, except for the little bit of extra press you'd get by saying this is the other L.A. Guns. Yeah. But I guess eventually touring's going to come back. Well, it's it's the sad reality, just like with you know our friends that work in radio, where we tell them why the fuck are you not playing deep tracks or new songs by classic bands, and and the sad reality is the vast majority of people just want to hear the same shit they're familiar with. Right, true. That's and that's why the bands like L.A. Guns or anybody that's fighting over a name, that's why they fight over it. They want those casual people that are going to come and spend money. And I guess if there was a split like this where you got Kelly Nichols and Steve Riley in one band and you got Tracy and Phil in another band, if this would have happened back in 89, you would have definitely called it something else because you would have had a shot of making it on your own. But now, yeah, well, yeah, not so much. Now you're scrounging for crumbs. 
Right. And you're just relying on people like you and me and the people that listen to this show that go, you know, I don't care if it's the other version of L.A. Guns or whatever it is. It has all the components to be a great rock album, and that's what I want, a great rock album, no matter what it's called, no matter who's in it. If it's a great rock album, I'm interested in it. But we are a truly rare breed. Yeah. So I guess, you know, it's it's quality, not quantity. But not L.A. Guns, because it's quantity and quality somebody uh somebody online i can't remember who they 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 brought up the uh, was it the american hardcore record yeah and and said that that tracy gunn's order on that record was to try to sound like pantera oh totally totally yeah. totally yeah if you listen to that and it's that's a that's a hard one to find nowadays i've got my original copy that i bought when it first came out because I was just excited in the 90s to hear a new L.A. Guns album. And what I got was like, what is this? But it's it's cool in its own way in spots because Tracy Guns is such a killer guitar player. It's cool to hear him play as if he was in a band like Pantera, like really let rip. I mean, that's a really killer guitar album, but... It's not a great L.A. Guns album because, again, you know, that's another one where is this really L.A. Guns when you're listening to it? Is this really L.A. Guns? Because it doesn't have Phil. You know, it's way different than anything. This is not an L.A. Guns album. This is a Tracy Guns project featuring some members of L.A. Guns. But, like you say, the name value in it is important. So... But wait, they back then they were the LA Guns, remember? Yeah. <laughs> that w- that was the big distinction because before that album they were LA Guns, but for that album there was a the before it. Welcome to the, the 90s. This is the LA Guns. Or they were like there's the Strokes, there's the Stone Roses and there's the LA Guns. Something like that. Or maybe that's a sign of the Armageddon. Like if if there is one true clear L.A. guns, that's the end. That's the seventh seal. So yeah, be for grateful sure. for all the different versions because it's keeping us alive. Hmm. But yeah, you got some Rob Helfer news. Yeah. So he a uh, couple things. Uh, well, one of our listeners wanted us to talk about his autobiography, which I haven't read it yet. Have you? No, I've not. Uh, I don't. Everything... I don't need to read it. I listen to podcasts. Well, from. <laughs> From everything I've heard about it, it's uh, it's more about his coming out and being living as a gay man through the seventies and eighties than it is about Judas Priest or music in general. So, which I, I mean, that's a pretty unique story. I mean, to it's there's plenty of people who have lived it and come out of the closet and done all that, you know, which is cool, but pretty unique perspective to be lead singer of a rock band when you're supposed to be a poster boy in magazines for the girls yeah but i mean i mean that's interesting story i guess but i want to hear about the music because i don't know well i haven't read kk has a book out i wonder how deep that goes into the music i haven't read any of the band members books i've martin popoff's written some books on them that i liked and but i don't know i'd like to hear some really in-depth stories about the making of the records anyway but but uh so he Rolling Stone interviewed Rob and they asked him for his top 10 favorite albums. Hmm. And and he's it's a very predictable list. <laughs> a lot of Zeppelin, um, Deep Purple, stuff y- like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, let's see if you can. Let's see if you can. Uh, we'll just do the artists. Let's okay. see which artists that you can guess are on his list. I'll see how many you get right. <sighs> let's see. Definitely Deep Purple. Yep. Led Zeppelin. Yep. How about Budgie? Is Budgie on the list? No, that's really? too obscure. That's too obscure. Too obscure. Oh, okay, so Queen. Was. Yep. Uh geez, what else is super popular? <laughs> I don't One know. Of the two Bl- biggest uh, Black Sabbath. The Black Sabbath on there. Yeah, of course. Um, I don't know. It's harder than it seems. Then. All right, Zeppelin, their debut. Uh-huh. Queen two. The the Beatles oh, a hard okay. day's night. Yeah, I guess I wasn't thinking about the Beatles and the Stones and stuff like that. Yep. The the Stones get your yayas out. Deep Purple's Machine Head. Jimi Hendrix Axes Bold as Love. Hmm. David Bowie The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust Inspires from Mars and Cream Disraeli Gears. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. As you're looking at That's, the timeline. He also gave a lot of props to um Black Sabbath self titled and um Pantera's Cowboys from Hell. Uh, yeah, I gotta imagine that probably influenced him at his time stepping away from Priest, which is kind of ironic because when they went and got Ripper Owens, that was also the direction they went in. Yeah. But I remember well, that. I thought the fight stuff kind of had a Pantera vibe. That's exactly what I was just gonna say, the fight albums for sure, and that's some good stuff. Oh yeah, I think uh, that song A Little Crazy is still a great song. Yeah, oh yeah. I haven't listened to that in a while. I'll pull that out. You know who's playing guitar on that, right? Is it the guy that's in Great White now? No, it's the guy that plays Satchel in Steel Panther. Oh, okay. What What's the name of the guy from Great White? Robbie Lochner. Robbie Lochner. Maybe he was... Uh, maybe He Robbie. might have been in it, too. I don't know. Or touring or something like that. I know he was involved somehow. <laughs> and I, it wasn't from the Rolling Stone interview, but I saw somebody asked him... Um, asked Halford if there was a Judas Priest song that they've never done live that he wants to do live and he said the title track from Rockerola. Nice. I would oh dude, if I was seeing a Priest concert and they bust that out, I would just go crazy. I love that. I don't know, man. I just here lately I've been way into the early earliest stuff. I really like that first album and the second album and the third album and the fourth album and then after that, it's all still really good, but I really, really have gotten into that early, early priest stuff because it's really unique. You know, it's not the heavy priest that you come to know, but it's like straight up weird kind of rock. I don't even, I guess yeah. you'd compare it to some Deep Purple or something like that. Maybe, maybe like the, the Coverdale Glenn Hughes era a little bit. But I really like it. Yeah. There's some really unsung songs on those albums. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think overall the 70s era stuff might be my favorite of theirs. Yeah. It's just it, they had their own unique sound. I and mean, Rock and Roll, though, is the one that I don't really go back to much. I, overall, I don't. It's okay, but I don't know. I'll take Sad Wings of Destiny, Killing Machine. I'll, I'll take. You can't the, deny any of it, really. Yeah. Stained Class is an amazing one. I love it. That's probably still my favorite. If as if 2020 can't get any worse, Scott Stapp said that he doesn't rule out the return of Creed. Says they're in communication. Oh, jeez, I hate Creed. They're gonna undo all the momentum ACDC just started. <laughs> That's terrible, terrible, terrible news. Everything was going so good. Paul Stanley and Creed. Otherwise, this episode's been great. 
<laughs> Paul Stanley and Scott Stapp need to do a Motown record together. <laughs> but not release it for anybody to hear ever. Like they yeah, get you together. Do that record, just don't put it out. Yeah, go go ahead. Go to the studio. Get all your friends together. Paul Stanley, Scott Stapp, whoever. Play your little hearts out. Play everything you want to get it all out of there. But don't release it. What are you thinking? Burn it on a CD, throw it in the street, and set it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody will ever hear this. Oh man, um, I wanted to bring this up for personal. Did, uh, did you have you heard the new Jason Beeler song that came out? No, uh, uh-uh. oh, it is so good. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a uh, it's a song called Apology, and he's his album. The album is called Songs for the Apocalypse by Jason Beeler and the Baron von Bielski Orchestra. Okay, all right. Is and, it an actual orchestra? No. Okay, good. It's, uh, good. It's uh, it's a weird song, but in the right way. It's kind of like. Um, I could hear Saigon Kick doing this song, it, it, but it's a bit more experimental. But it's got like these really lush harmonies to it. It's heavy in music, but it, these harmonies are just so weird. And um, I could hear it almost like you remember the extreme album, Three Sides to Every Story? Yeah. It's got kind of harmonies like that. And, okay. uh, and it's, but musically, it's great. He's got Todd Latore, who's the singer for Queensryche, playing drums on the song, and he's just amazing on oh, it. Oh, wow. I had no and, idea. Uh, yeah, he was a, well. He was the drummer for um, was it, was it Crimson Idol? I think he was a member of. Huh. But yeah, he was a professional drummer, and um, also uh, this guy uh, Andy Black Sugar. Uh, he plays guitar. He plays a lot of the guitar on it. But like Bumblefoot and a bunch of other people guest on this record. So uh, I ordered it. It's supposed to come out in January. But judging off the first single, I was very impressed. That's cool, man. I'm looking forward to hearing that. I really liked Saigon Kick, and you know you, how you say that it's a uh, it's weird, but in the right ways. That's kind of like the description of Saigon Kick. A lot of their music was always kind of weird, but still rocked and was really cool. You know, it was unique, and I know he was such a huge part of that band. And you know, it's it's cool to see him. He, he's continuing to do stuff. I know he was the hero of rock and pot a few years back because he was everyone's favorite interview because he's such a colorful dude and he's so funny and fun to talk to but yeah i know a lot of people will be excited to hear that if you are a fan of saigon kick or if you are a fan of him giving interviews on awesome podcasts you know these are bands that really need the support nowadays you know it's not like jason beeler is going to go to number one on the billboard album charts you know this is this is where your music should go. If you can't get it from the mom and pop, you can't get it from the Walmart or the Target, just go to the website and order it up. You know, look them up, Jason Beeler. Like I said, if you like Saigon Kick, this is the closest you're going to get to it, so enjoy. Yeah, I I really like it. I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of it. There's another story I I haven't got to listen to this song yet, but uh Apparently, there's a band called Suspect 208 that came out, and it that's me- the members include the sons of Slash, Scott Weiland, and Robert Trujillo. I saw something about that. Yeah. I haven't listened to it yet, though, so I'm unprepared. Uh, me too. But it's good to know. I'll we'll <laughs> check that out also. What's the band uh, called? All, uh, Suspect 208. Suspect 208. I mean, on paper, it's got a rock, right? I would hope so. These will also be all of our adopted children. Right. 
Another album that just came out that's really good is the new Armored Saint called yeah, Punch in the Sky. Really good. From what I've heard off it, awesome. I'm going to be ordering that up. Yeah. You know who does have new music out, which I'm not sure why, because DAD was my number one album of 2019, but Jesper Benzer, the lead singer, has got a solo album coming out. And he's released a couple of songs off it already. One of the songs is called Premonition. And there's another song called Save Your Soul. It's awesome. Oh, man, is it good. So if you like DAD or if you like hard rock, check out Jesper Benzer. Check out the song Save Your Soul. It's it's pretty damn killer. Does it sound like DAD? I mean, yeah, it's the dude that sings for DAD. And it's the Premonition song is a little bit lighter. But, I mean, DAD is not heavy all the time. But Save Your Soul, I don't know. It's a little darker, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's hard when a, like a, a if a singer from a well-known band or a, even a well-established band goes out and does something solo, it always still kind of sounds like the band because it's the voice of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, for for sure. So you almost have to leave your band and do something completely different. I guess like Paul Stanley is doing in order to separate from from your band. So I guess oh man. Now my love for the band DAD is going to cause me to circle back around and it's going to make it okay for what Paul Stanley's doing. So if Paul Stanley <laughs> had a rock band and was coming out with rock songs, I guess it would be compared to Kiss, right? course it would how could it not be so the only way that paul stanley can do something that's not going to be compared to kiss is to do crappy covers of r&b hits so that it's like <laughs> no this is my thing it's different than kiss look nothing cool here no guitars no fire breathing, no smoking guitars, no no exploding drum kits, nothing like that. Acapella R&B. Now compare that to Kiss. All right, then listen. I don't know if that justifies it or not. <laughs> but I guess I guess now I get it. Damn it. You're going to buy Soul Station on release day. I just know you are. Only if Ace Frehley makes guest appearance on it. I think Eric Singer's playing drums on it. Yeah? Yeah. Slow down there, Eric. This is the only way I know how to play. This ain't going to work. Yes, you hear doing double bass now, and twirling now, now, just Now just stop for a second. Here's what I'm going to do. Just hold still. Now I take drumstick number one, all right? I'm just let me slide that out of your hand right there. All right, good, Eric. Good. You're doing good. Let me let me take drumstick number two from you there. Oh, yeah. Things are going great. All right. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to take these brushes. I'm going to just put them in your hands right there, Eric, you know, and you just you just go ahead. Now, now you play the drums. Soul Station. Yeah. You're going to need a lot of it to enjoy that album. (laughs) Golly. Um, And yet again, we morph into a kiss talk. Of course we Um, do. Scott Gull brought up an interesting comparison. Uh, So for $10, you can watch Striper do a live stream concert and Q&A, and they play the entire new album, even The Devil Believes in its entirety. Oh, nice. That's cool. 
or you can watch an L.A. Guns live stream for $50. Wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. If I've learned anything from this episode, the question that needs to be asked is, which L.A. Guns? Our version. You and me. I set up the stream. We're getting 50 bucks a ticket. We're getting 50 bucks? Oh, man, that's way worth it then. Everybody should buy that. I really don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. I thought we were going to make some money. It's a good deal on the Striper one, though. No, that's super cool, man. I don't know about 50 bucks. I don't think I'd... I know I wouldn't. There ain't... It You're would a hardcore have, LA Guns fan. It would have to be something pretty amazing. Like the, the Skid Row's getting back together and they're doing one show with Sebastian and Rob and it's going to be streamed live and that's this is going to be your only opportunity. I might consider that. Right. But just any band? I don't think there's anybody I'd pay 50 bucks for. Not for a live stream. It would have to be... Aaron Camaro, you've won a contest, and now you can pay fifty bucks, and you have to make the re- you can make the reunited Kiss play any songs you want. I'd pay fifty bucks for that. Song number one, just a boy. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your brushes, right. Eric. Let's do this. Yeah, get the brushes out. Yeah. So the only other thing I have on here is the uh, announcement of the new Alice Cooper record that's coming out. I'm excited anytime Alice Cooper's got new music coming out, but what is this exactly? Is it cover songs or is it new music? It's a mix. Um, so, like, he did that EP called Breadcrumbs like, right. last year, and that was all that was all cover songs of Detroit artists. And so, some of those song those songs are this is an extension of that. So, like, okay. those songs are going to be on here, but then it's a few different uh, a few different originals too, and then. He put out a single for the song Rock and Roll, which is a Velvet Underground song. Which I've heard that. And of, cor- and, of course, he does a way better version because Velvet Underground absolutely sucked in my well, opinion. Well, yeah. Um, which I know I'll get hate for saying that. That's a given. I stand yeah, I with a, you. I have a little bit of a beef with this. Um, I'm, I'm excited, and I'll be a first-day buyer, of course, because it's Alice Cooper. But yeah. two things. One... I don't understand all of this Detroit love. I mean, like he lived there till he was like nine years old. Then he moved to Arizona. He just, but he keeps throwing out this Detroit thing. It's just, it's almost like he's leaning on it so much. And the, but my biggest gripe is yet again, this album features no tracks recorded with his touring band. Not one. And it's like, you've got this awesome band and you never let them get in the studio. It's kind of a bummer, really, because, I mean, if you were going to take somebody's band, like if I, if somebody said, hey, Aaron Camaro, we're going to offer you a touring contract, but you have to choose the band of one of these artists, it'd be really, really difficult to go any further than Alice Cooper's band because they are perfect. I mean, the whole band is just, just killer and talented. And you know what? I love Alice Cooper, but maybe it's time for that band to go find a new lead singer and come out with an album. Not that that's ever going to happen, because they know where their bread's buttered. And who wouldn't want to be in the Alice Cooper band? But man, what it would be like to hear what they could come up with creatively. Because, I mean, they're all so talented and have written songs and have been in bands outside of Alice Cooper. And, 
you know, have even written songs. Like Chuck Garrick wrote songs with Alice Cooper that didn't make the cut on albums, but are still really good. Yeah. I don't and know. I, I'd love to hear just, it. I don't know. And, you know, and, and Ezrin does this one again. And it just, I don't know, my theory on that, maybe this is a tinfoil hat conspiracy theory, but it's either one of two things. It's either A, Ezrin just wants to work with studio people and not coach anybody through what he wants. But, I mean, on this one, he's got, like, Detroit, you know, famous Detroit players. He's got Wayne Kramer from the MC5 playing guitar on it. Yeah. And um, some other, like, the Motor City Horns play on it and stuff. But I think it's one of those things where, I don't know, I think Ezrin likes to hire his own people. Or, you know, even when Alice put out records ever since the original band broke up, it's almost always been, it's not always been touring the touring band playing on the records. Like, you know what I mean? He's, like, right. comfortable having other people play it is like, is that out of fear because he worries about the band getting too close with doing original material with him because of what happened with the old band? I, or maybe I'm just reading way too much into that. I mean, it could be, I mean, you get bad experiences with stuff. You get gun shy to it, but I don't know what it is. I can't, I don't, I have no idea, but it doesn't make much sense. And I would love to hear, a great hard rock album out of Alice Cooper with the band that he's got now. Well, yeah, I mean, look, look at who's in the, like Ryan rocks. He's put yep. out great material on his own. Chuck Garrick has. Yeah. So is to- Tommy Hendrickson's a in demand songwriter. That's so, right. Like, you have talent in the band. Just use them. So then do you worry that at that point it becomes a band instead of the man? I'd love to see it though. I mean, no, yeah, but like any like anyone's going to overshadow Alice Cooper. And right. Band. Yeah. So that shouldn't even be an issue. And Alice Cooper's been there and done that in his life, and he is one of the premier rock stars that are still living today of all time. You know, there's there shouldn't be no fear of it. I just don't understand. Like you know, they they would jump at the opportunity to do it. Oh, yeah. But maybe you're right. It probably is a Bob Ezrin thing, I would guess. Like, you know, hey, you got to go back on tour with these guys. You know, I'm going to, if you bring them into the studio, I'm going to chew them up. And there's going to be hard feelings. That's possible. And then you got to go back out on tour with these guys who are a little, their feelings are hurt a little bit because they got run through the Bob Ezrin ringer. And these other guys, they're just paid to play. Who cares? You know, you do what we tell you because we're paying you to be here. And when it's over, you're gone, and we don't have to care about how your feelings got hurt. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either, man. We could speculate on that all day and all night, but it just doesn't make much sense. Well, it's also where, you know, Ace Fraley does the same thing with his album. Yeah, true. He doesn't let our friends play on him other than that she track, which is great, but... It's like those guys could have played on that whole record. That's what I would have liked. Yeah, if it would just been a straight up Ace Frehley record with the Talisman and and Matt Starr on drums, and just yeah, let them help write the songs. I mean, they're all true Ace Frehley fans. They're not going to steer you wrong. They're not going to make you do nothing weird or dumb. And neither would the Alice Cooper band. But I think they could add so much. Yeah, stop doing the weird Detroit stuff and let's just. Let's just have a really kick-ass rock album. Not overthink it. Somebody, well, somebody had a great idea that I read on a message board, and and you know, but I mean, my favorite era of Alice is the Blackout era, where he got really got experimental. But get Rick Rubin to to produce the record for him, and tell him to go back and listen to some of his older stuff, and 
try to get re-inspired. I'd love to hear Alice do some kind of a creepy thing again. Yeah, here no. you go. Go smoke this crack and see what you can come up with. Oh, well, I didn't say that. <laughs> Jeez. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fly birdie topping in with a bag of cocaine. <laughs> uh-huh. We want some good free bass rock like you did back in the 80s. Jeez. But, no, nah, I just, I don't know. I'll buy it, but I'm just tired of the whole Detroit thing, and I don't know. I'm just not that overexcited about this record, which sucks, because I actually really love Paranormal. I thought it was a cool record, but I don't. I just have a... I don't have a great feeling about this one. I don't know. Paranormal didn't last. I was really excited about it when it first came out. I bought the deluxe edition with the extra songs with the original band and everything. But really, there's just a handful of songs off of that that have really stuck with me. Well, but that's, I mean, when's the last Alice Cooper that you haven't said that about? Hey, that's true. Yeah, if you think about it like that. I'm a huge fan, but like going all the way back to Constrictor, I think every album's been that way. That's like true. Yeah, the songs 50, that are 50, good yeah. are great, you know, but the songs that are weird are kind of forgettable. I don't listen to anything after Constrictor. I never listen to the full record. It's just a few songs. Yeah. You know. Hmm. He's yeah, still the greatest, right. though. Totally is. Can't beat Alice Cooper. You gotta love it. So we've, uh, we've covered a lot of ground here today. Yeah. And uh, I know we wanted to uh, help out one of our friends and play some new music on the way out. That's right. We're going to take this opportunity right now to play something for you as we wrap things up here today. This is a guy named Byron Nemeth, and he is just like you and me. He's just a fan of rock music, likes the Decibel Geek podcast, dropped us a message and said, hey, check this out. It's my new instrumental tune. This guy is one hell of a guitar player, as you're about to find out. If you dig it, you want to check out more of it? It's ByronNemeth.com. That's B-Y-R-O-N-N-E-M-E-T-H.com. This is a song called Engines of Thunder. I think you're going to dig it because it jams. And uh, that is the news. And we'll see you next week. See you.